0: Amen. Let's give the Lord another round of applause. Can we do that this morning? Definitely want to welcome you and welcome those who are gathering with us online. I want to thank you for uh, your prayers, for our team from Africa who got back, but also our team uh, who left for Belize this past Wednesday, and so we ask you to continue to be uh, praying for them and excited to hear uh, of the report back when they get home. Again, just so neat to hear of all that the Lord uh, has done and is doing uh, through that team of Lesotho. Continue to be praying for Pastor Kyle and for Kim and for Jace and Lily as they are still there. meeting with other missionaries uh, as we're continuing to gather information uh, about the details of being able to send them in the fall, is what we're Uh, praying—again, the Lord's timetable uh, there—to Lesotho to be a training pastor there in the valley. So we're excited with what the Lord is is doing there and, and excited for the work. Uh, that's taken place. Take your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Malachi. If you've been with us, we are now three weeks into this series called Recalibrated, as we're talking about, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, the last book of the Old Testament, the last of the twelve minor prophets. And this morning, we're going to see how he addresses uh, the topic of worship. I told you guys last week, and even the week before, as we're looking at, you know, this, this, this last book, you know, before that 400 years of silence before the birth of Christ. How this was really, in a lot of ways, kind of a dark time uh, in the period of, of God's people, right? They've come back into the Promised Land, they've been there now for about 100 years, they are still waiting upon some of these, these prophecies, but it's not What it used to be, right? The temple's not what it used to be. The walls, not what it used to be. And so, because their view of God has been minimized, their worship is affected. And so, what we see this morning is last week, you know, it it really dealt with the foundation of it all. God's love for us and our love for Him and the motivation of our giving, the motivation of our living, the motivation of our worship is what He's done for us. And it all comes back to that foundation, but now He addresses the people, and He addresses the priests who are ministering in the people, and it deals with the subject of worship. Our mission statement here at River Oak is to live every day—can you say it with me?—captivated and changed by Jesus. We just had a new members class finish up this past Wednesday. We've got another one this Saturday, and it's one of the things that we talk about, of living every day, not practicing a religion, but walking in a relationship, walking in a relationship with Jesus who died and rose again, but living every day captivated by His love. Right? That's what we're going to see this morning. Take your Bibles. We're going to go to Malachi 1, but we're also going to look at Romans chapter 12 this morning as well. As so we're going to look at the first two verses of that wonderful, wonderful book of the Bible. Living every day captivated and changed by Jesus. Because when we talk about the subject of worship, right, that's what worship is about. I think sometimes when we think of worship, we think of a song or we think of a, of a style, but the Bible talks about a life of worship, right? That if we've not worshiped throughout the week, then our heart's not prepared to corporately worship as a body of believers. And so Romans 12 speaks into this life of worship. In many ways what you find in Romans 12 is the New Testament description of what Malachi is addressing here in chapter 1 verse 6 through 14. i want to invite you to stand with me in reverence of reading god's word we're going to get into these verses in just a minute but let's go to romans 12. the title of the message this morning is worthy of our worship, worthy of our praise. If the God that we serve is worthy, let me hear you say amen. amen, amen. Living every day, captivated and changed. That's why God's Word is so critical, to be in this every single day. It allows us to see Him for who He is, it allows us to see us for who we are. And we know it's faith, that this is a journey of faith, for by grace you are saved through faith. And we know Hebrews eleven six says, without it, it's impossible to please God. So every one of us in this place this morning. We're on a journey of faith. If you're here today and you've never taken that initial step of faith of turning from your sins and professing Christ as your Savior, that's, I believe, why the Lord's led you here. As believers, how many times can our worship so often be affected by our view of the Lord in our circumstances? And so let's look at what the Bible has to say to us this morning. It's Romans chapter 12, and let's just look at these first two verses, and then we'll get into Malachi. Chapter 1, verse 6-14, Paul says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God—now notice this temple language here—that you present, notice this, that you present, that you present what? Your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Will of God. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the promises of your Word that cannot be broken. Lord, we rest in those promises this morning. We thank you for a Savior. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we are not here gathered to practice a religion. We are here to lift high the name of Jesus, the one who is living, who is sitting at your right hand, interceding for us right now as we speak. We thank you for that promise. We thank You for Your Word that we can gather around truth this morning, and Lord, we need it. Lord, we need truth in our lives to realign us, to recenter us, to recalibrate to Your standard. And so, Lord, may Your truth speak to our hearts. Lord, may You reveal areas of our lives that we need to hand to You, Lord, sins that we need to turn from. Lord, we pray this morning that You would have free access into our hearts and minds, and that you would draw us closer to you, that, Lord, this would not just be another Sunday of, and just going through the motions, but, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. We claim this morning in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and in many ways, right, it speaks of, it defines, you know, what is worship about? You know, we talk about worship, and, and we understand that the Bible says that Jesus says we need to worship Him in spirit and in truth, and we understand that here in this passage of Scripture, really, Paul breaks down, you know, what really worship is all about, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I implore you, I beg of you. And notice where he starts, the mercies of God. To be captivated, right? To be captivated by His mercy, to be captivated by His grace. It puts us in the right place when that's our starting point. Right? When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, what does He say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To praise Him first, to focus and meditate upon what He's already done, the finished work of Jesus. So therefore I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So we set our minds and our eyes to what He's already done, but then here's the motivation to now present our bodies a living sacrifice. What is worship? to present ourselves each and every day to come to that altar, right, where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's now Christ who lives in me. And so there's this daily activity of coming to that altar and saying, okay, Lord, I lay myself down to be a living sacrifice for you. And so we understand that the language of Malachi is, is temple worship, right? I mean, we're talking about the, 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 you know, the laws of Leviticus. We're talking about all of the detailed instructions of, of bringing them unblemished uh, animals into the temple for sacrifice. But now on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, we know that the final sacrifice has already been paid. No more bloodshed can I get an amen this morning. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, shed His blood, never again, another animal sacrifice. And so our worship now is not the ushering in of animals to to shed their blood upon an altar, but our worship now is our lives that are laid upon the altar of the Lord to now in obedience say, Lord, I surrender my will to Yours, may You be glorified in it. And you find here the picture of the Gospel. Right, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to present yourself, to present your bodies a, li- re- a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2 says this, do not be conformed. We know that that's where we get the word chameleon. So do not blend into this world, but rather be what? Transformed, It's where we get the word metamorphosis, which is a change on the outside that begins on the inside. So, here's a picture of the Gospel, a life that has been transformed from the inside out, no longer blending into this world, but now holy, and that word means set apart. Set apart to live for something more, to not just live for the passing things of this world, but to say, may my life be a fragrance, a testimony, an aroma of praise, a living sacrifice to you. And so, Malachi addresses the subject of worship. And for us today, He gives us a warning. The danger of just going through the motions, the danger of thinking and buying into the lie that we're doing God a favor by just simply showing up and going through the motions of church, that God sees much deeper than just our outside activity. Can I get an amen? Amen. He sees the heart. So, Malachi addresses that. Notice what happens here. Look what happens in verse 6. He deals with the priest. He goes right to those who are leading in the ministry of God's people. He says, the son honors his father and a servant his master. Well, then if I'm the father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. So again, we know he's addressing the priest, and it's these priests that are saying, okay, you claim to call me father in the temple, and you claim to call me master in the temple, but your lives do not match your words. It's like what Jesus says, right? By their lips, they proclaim to be close to me, but their hearts are far away. The word honor means to attach weight to something. We know this goes back to commandment number five, right? If you go to the 10 commandments, you have the first four commandments that deal with our relationship with the Lord. And then the very first earthly relationship that is dealt with is commandment number five. That if our vertical is right, right, if we're worshiping the Lord the right way, then it will affect the horizontal. It will affect our earthly relationships. And the first relationship that is spoken of is commandment number five, honor what? Your father and mother. And the word honor means to attach weight to, that they are worthy to be honored. That's the way we respect them and honor them. And so here is Malachi saying, okay, you claim to call me father, but just like a son should honor their father, you're not honoring me as your heavenly father. That word reverence means to to fear. So he says, not only are you not honoring me as a son to the father, but as a slave to a master, there is no reverence there. Notice what happens here. Look at the end of verse 6. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, and here it is again that response, in what way have we despised your name? The word despise means to treat something of value with contempt, to treat it basically flippantly to treat it as worthless. And notice what he says that they're treating flippantly, his name. Now, notice that phrase there. Ten times in seven verses, you'll find that little phrase, my name, or the Lord's name. You'll find it in verse 6 in verse 11, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 5, chapter 3, verse 16, chapter 4, verse 2, and it's all-encompassing. And so when it speaks of the Lord's name, what is it talking about? It's talking about His character, His attributes, His reputation. So He's saying what? You think you're doing me a favor, but actually you're defiling my name. You're defiling my reputation. You're defiling my attributes, my character. And they say, in what way? Look at the next part of verse 6. In verse 6, in what way have we despised you? And then He gives the answer in verse 7. You offer defiled food on my altar. That word means despicable or detestable. In what way have we defiled you by saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible? Now if you go to some of the instructions, I'll give you one, Deuteronomy 17 verse 1, you'll find this specific instruction. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God, an ox or a sheep which has a blemish or any defect, for that is a detestable thing to the Lord your God. So what's happening here? They are bringing in these sacrifices which the Bible has clearly given specific instructions, uh, an animal of no, of no blemish, of no spot, but this is what the priests were doing. We know a little bit further that the Bible talks about them robbing the people. So, so what, the, what was happening is this, they, you know, if, if the people did bring a, a lamb without spot or blemish, they would keep it for themselves. Either they would keep it for themselves or they would sell it. They would sell it and make the money and say, well, well, why should we offer this perfectly good animal to the Lord? The Lord will be just as pleased with this leftover worship over here. So what we're dealing with here is basically leftover worship. What we're dealing with here is those who are bringing the Lord their sacrifices, it was half-hearted. It wasn't their best, and it wasn't their first. But what's so amazing about this is grace. Notice this, in verse six, it says, you despise my name. In verse seven, it says, you defiled my altar. And that because of your view of who I am, it's affected your worship, right? Hebrews 11:6 says that, right? right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him, why? Because we gotta believe who he is. And we gotta believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we've gotta believe who he is and we gotta believe what the Bible says about him. So here is Malachi says, you've despised my name and you've defiled my altar, but yet it all begins with love. That's what's so amazing about this. You want to see the gospel? Look at verse 1. I mean, the gospel of grace, it says, the burden of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, and right up front he says, I have loved you. It's a picture of the gospel. Now, you get into this, and he calls them out for their half-hearted worship. He calls them out for worship that just goes through the motions, and he says, right, you've despised my name, you've defiled my table but I've still loved you in spite of it. I mean, this is the picture of Romans 5, 8, right? That God demonstrated His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, not because we earned His love or deserved His love, but in spite of us, He loved us. It's a picture of God's grace. Notice what they say here in verse eight. How have we defiled? Look at what he says. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? And I go back and I think about Mark 12 or Luke 21, you think about the widow's mite, you know, the story of Jesus, of, of the lady that brings, you know, not a lot when it comes to how the world would see it, but God saw her heart. It wasn't the amount, it was her heart. It wasn't how much money she was putting in the plate, it was the intent of her heart, that it was the overflow of her thanksgiving. It was the overflow of her praise. Again, being captivated by God's grace and God's mercy, Lord, may you find me worshiping you. Not just speaking it, but may my life reflect how loved I truly am. This entire conversation begins with love. And yet, as it moves into verse 6 and verse 7, they're called out for going through the motion, but it's all grounded in love. Look at the last part of verse 8. Try offering that to your governor, he says. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. So you see the picture that's being painted here. That, hey, if if, if someone of, of of human authority came to your house, you wouldn't present them with leftovers. You wouldn't present them with the scraps, right? You would present the best for them, and yet you bring your leftovers before God. Foundation of it all is love. Look at what happens here in verse 9. It says, but now entreat God's favor that He may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands, will He accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. So you can kind of pick up sarcasm here, where He says, okay, you're asking for God's blessings. You're, you're asking for God to open His hands, but yet you're not willing to open yours. You're asking God to pour out His blessings and, and His favor, and yet you're withholding your own worship. You're asking for God to to lay everything out, but, but you yourself, this ain't, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is seek ye first my kingdom, and then whatever else is left, I will lay it before the Lord. That's what he's calling them out for, just going through the motion and them really being deceived, them thinking that they were pleasing God by just their activity, even though their heart was not right before him. Look at verse 10. Who is there among you who would shut the door so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? Notice that. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. I mean, this is quite the rebuke. Where basically, through the prophet Malachi, he's saying, listen, it's better for you guys to close the doors of the temple. Like, it is better for you to not even gather if you're just going to gather half-heartedly, if you're going to gather just to go through the motions, if you're going to gather because you think you're doing God a favor, he says, hey, it would be better for you just to even stay home, to keep the doors shut. If it's merely religious activity, God's not pleased by our religious activity. He's pleased by a heart that surrenders and trusts in him. And then look at the proclamation of verse 11. Man, here's Jesus right here, for from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name. You see that phrase? Shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This speaks of the millennial reign of Christ. This is the same thing as Jesus saying, you know what? Even if you don't praise me, even the rocks will cry out. I will give my praise. Creation itself cries out God's glory. The moon, the stars cry out God's praise. And so listen, God's glory and praise is not dependent upon whether or not we do it. He will be glorified and praised, but He invites us to be a part of it. He invites us to join in the choir of singing His praise and His glory. To not go through the motions. To not do religious activity thinking. God, I'm doing it on the outside when our hearts are far from him. He sees beyond all of this. And he sees a heart that's truly yielded to him, our heart that's withholding things that he has clearly revealed. Notice the sarcasm here, but now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by his hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts, even if they're among you who would shut the door so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun to his going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Paul says in Philippians 2, right, there will come a day, there will come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We don't have to wait for that day. We can do it here today. But notice the rebuke of verse 12. He says in verse 12, but you profane it by saying, you pollute it, you desecrate it. The Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. Basically, what he's saying is this, you have made it a common thing, something of no importance, a ritual without heart. Malachi 13, and you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it or you look down your nose at it, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? He says, listen, you're so far off that even worship has become a burden. Have you ever been there Where where you may be going through the activities on the outside, but man, man, your heart is not in a position—it is a burden to sing those songs. It is a burden to open those words, right? It, It may look like you're doing it on the outside, but the heart is still far from Him. He says, listen, God sees that. And you want to talk about power, right, right, when you can praise His name in the midst of your questions, in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of when it's not what it lines up to be, Isaiah 55, 8, and you can say, hey, not my way, but your way, not my thoughts, but your thoughts, the the words of Job, though He slay me, I will still trust Him. May you be praised by my worship of you in the moments when I don't understand. You talk about power. There are many of you going through stuff right now, and I recognize that. To allow your heart and mind to settle and to say, Lord, let me just praise you for what you've already done in my life. And Lord, let me just proclaim my trust in you for yet what you've still to do that I know you have promised. To do. Look at this. Look at verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock, and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And so this speaks, and again, these priests were taking even the animals. It wasn't that they were—the people were all being unfaithful. Some were bringing the, the animals that were without blemish, and yet those priests were taking it and either selling it or using it themselves. And God calls them out and rebukes them and says, you are stealing from me. God sees the heart. But all of this points to Jesus. That's what I love. I mean, all of this, right? You go back to Exodus. You go back to the Passover. You go back to the bloodshed, right? It was all pointing to the Lamb of God. Why was it important that it be without blemish? Why was it important that it be without spot? Because there was coming the Lamb of God that would come into this world without spot, without blemish, and die as a substitute for our sins. It was all pointing to Jesus. So here's the question. What do we bring to the Lord each day and lay at his feet as an offering of worship? Not just the songs we sing or or the music we play, but the life that we live. Of Lord, may right now in this moment I just reflect upon Your mercy and Your grace. May I reflect upon Jesus. May I reflect upon Your forgiveness. May I reflect upon my salvation. May I be captivated by that first. And as a result, may my heart be quick to sing of Your praise, regardless of my season. May my heart be quick to lift high the name of Jesus, regardless of my questions. If Jesus comes today, may He find me lifting high. His name, a living sacrifice. This week we have an opportunity every day to lay ourselves upon that altar and say, Lord, be glorified, not I, but you. And may it be a sweet aroma. May my life be worshipped, and may your name be glorified with every head bowed and every eye closed. As we've talked about, man, as we move into these four chapters of Malachi, he addresses these hard issues, and he addresses the church, he addresses us, and the danger of just going through the motions. Just say, Lord, man, I, I desire to see you in a fresh new way every single day. As I open your word, I expect to meet you there. As I call upon your name, I expect to see you in every crack and corner of my life. I desire to give you all of me, nothing withheld. To not get over your grace, to wake up each day and be consumed by that, not the struggles of my life, by your grace and by your mercy. And then may my life be a testimony of someone who has been loved and as a result of being loved, been changed by your love. Not just living for the things of this earth, not conformed, but transformed. Now every day the renewing of my mind as I open your word, may you allow truth to be the lens that I look through. And may you find me praising you in my obedience, in my surrender, may you be glorified in a life that is lived for you. I'm gonna invite you to stand right where you are as we go to the Lord in prayer. To my left, to your right each week, Our spiritual response team is here. Our platform team is going to come out and lead us in a time of invitation, and this is just a time again, I think, for every one of these weeks with Malachi, we've got to take inventory. I know for me personally, as he's addressing the priests and the the leaders of, of, of God's people, like we each one have to take inventory. How's my personal worship? How's your personal worship? How's your praise going in your life? I'm not talking about the songs we sing on Sunday morning. I'm talking about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, that sacrificial living. Is it burdensome to you or does it excite you? May we take inventory as we reflect upon the things that capture our attention. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love. Lord, all of this is grounded in your love. That Lord, you first loved us and as a result, we love you. And so Lord, lead us in that each day. Lord, may our lives reflect that. Lord, we pray by the mercies of God that we would never get over cross and that we would each day lord allow that simple truth of your love to change us and may you be glorified in the lives that we live lord thank you for the body of christ thank you for the promises that cannot be broken we rest in them we proclaim them in the name of jesus we pray and all god's people say